Joshua and chapter 23. Joshua chapter 23. I'm sorry, kids, we do not have Go Ye Kids tonight, and so you're going to have to pay attention and put up with me tonight. I will try to um, maintain your intention as best as I can, but I will not have a game time. I apologize. Actually, I don't apologize. We're preaching. But Joshua chapter 23, and Lord willing, this will be, after this message, there will be one more message next week, and then we will have gone completely through the book of Joshua. It's kind of hard to believe. We started that um, November of last year, I believe, and we've been going through sometimes a couple verses, sometimes several chapters. But uh, tonight, Lord willing, we're just going to cover one chapter, chapter 23, um, these are the last two, um, basic, you might call them sermons, you might call them um, speeches, whatever. Joshua has two last times where he gathers Israel together and he um, is exhorting them, he is explaining to them what they need to do so they can continue to enjoy the blessings that God has for them, what how they can continue to see God give them victory in their life, how they can continue to move forward for the Lord. So there's um, chapter 23 and then chapter 24. There's basically two different messages that he gives. And so we'll begin reading in verse number 1 of chapter 23. And it came to pass a long time after that the Lord had given rest unto Israel from all their enemies round about, that Joshua waxed old and stricken in age. And Joshua called for all Israel, and for their elders, and for their heads, and for their judges, for their officers, and said unto them, I am old and stricken in age. Now before in Joshua chapter 20, um, 21, or back when they started dividing the land, God had come to Joshua and said, you're old. Now Joshua's finally admitting, I'm old. I found that kind of interesting. When he admits he's old, then you know he's old. But he said, and ye have seen, he said, I am old and stricken in age, and ye have seen all that the Lord your God hath done unto all these nations because of you. Why? For the Lord your God is he that fought for you. Behold, I have divided unto you by lot these nations that remain to be an inheritance for your tribes from Jordan with all the nations that I have cut off even unto the great sea westward. And the Lord your God, he shall expel them before you, and shall drive them out of your sight, and ye shall possess their land, as the Lord your God hath promised unto you. Be ye therefore very courageous to keep and to do all that is written in the book of the law of Moses, that ye turn not aside therefrom to the right hand or to the left, that ye come not among these nations These that remain among you, neither make mention of the name of their gods, nor cause to swear by them, neither serve them, nor bow yourselves unto them, but cleave unto the Lord your God, as ye have done unto this day. For the Lord hath driven out from before you great nations and strong. But as for you, no man has been able to stand before you unto this day. One man of you shall chase a thousand... For the Lord your God, he it is that fighteth for you, as he hath promised you. Take good heed, therefore, unto yourselves, that ye love the Lord your God. 
Else if ye do in any wise go back and cleave unto the remnant of these nations, even these that remain among you, and shall make marriages with them, and go in unto them, and they to you, know for a certainty that the Lord your God will no more drive out any of these nations from before you. But they shall be snares and traps unto you, and scourges in your sides, and thorns in your eyes, until ye perish from off this good land, which the Lord your God hath given you. And behold, this day I am going the way of all the earth. And ye know in all your hearts and in all your souls that not one thing hath failed of all the good things which the Lord your God spake concerning you. All are come to pass unto you, and not one thing hath failed thereof. Therefore it shall come to pass that as all good things are come upon you which the Lord your God promised you, so shall the Lord bring upon you all evil things, until he hath destroyed you from off this good land which the Lord your God hath given you, when ye have transgressed the covenant of the Lord your God, which he commanded you, and have gone and served other gods, and bowed yourselves to them, then shall the anger of the Lord be kindled against you, and ye shall perish quickly from off the good land which he hath given you. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we just thank you for today. We thank you for... Um, your word. We thank you, thank you, Lord, for your faithfulness. And we just um, pray as we open up your word and consider it, that you would help us to understand what you have to say tonight. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Have you ever started a hobby, only to become disinterested with it a few weeks, a few months, or a few days later, started a hobby, okay? I wonder how many model airplanes or models are sitting in basements even across the city for people who decided, I'm going to set up a hobby and I'm going to start model, I'm going to start um, putting together little models and just enjoy myself doing that. And they come back a year later and lo and behold, that model hasn't put itself together yet. It's still sitting there on, on the shelf, and there's the instructions beside it, and part of it's put together. But what happened? Well, maybe you just got disinterested with it. Maybe you got busy. That happens a lot. A hobby is not um, a life goal, usually. A hobby is something, I have a little bit of time. I need, I need uh, something to take my mind off all the work that I'm doing, something else I can do that's profitable, something I can do to enjoy myself. Sometimes it gets too busy, but sometimes we just become disinterested in it. How many people might have an art set, or a bike, or a half-started class of something? I'm going to take a handwriting course, or I'm going to take a typing course, or I'm going to take something that they can do, that they say, this is something I'd like to do, but slowly over time, as time passes, they become disinterested in it. Or they just don't pursue it anymore. Or playing an instrument well. Playing an instrument well takes dedicated practice. Which is why I have not progressed in the guitar for many years. Because I enjoy playing the guitar. And I make some time for playing the guitar. 
but I don't always put the time, the dedicated time, that I would need to move forward. And why we, we would laugh at this a little bit and just say, that's kind of humorous, that's kind of funny, as we think about maybe in our own lives, the hobbies that we started and stopped, just because, you know what, that didn't, it interested us, I'll get it out eventually, when we started. But when the time came and we pursued through it, we quickly became disinterested with whatever project we're working on. The kids are in here. How many remember the first day of school? Even every year that comes up. Was that exciting? The first day of school? You had new books. You had maybe a new backpack. I remember I was homeschooled growing up, as many of you know, all through the years. And we had this, when I was growing up, we had this little game we played. My younger siblings are boring, and they don't have as much of... No, I'm just kidding. But um, we had ridiculous amounts of imagination that we did. We, when, when school was starting, we were so excited. And we would get our backpacks, and we would load them with every book that we could find. And we would go out, and we would walk around the block... And walk in and say, hi teacher, we're, we walk to school. And then we would leave and say, bye teacher, after school was over. And we'd walk around the block and come back and say, hi mom. We were so excited about school. And we were excited about starting. And we all laugh about that. And it, it was, looking back at it, it was very humorous. But for me, that was great, those first two days. And then the third day came. And lo and behold, I was not stuffing every book in my backpack. My dad was dragging me out of bed saying, time to get up and start school. Why? I had, slow, I had slowly become disinterested in school two days later. And we laugh at that and say, yes, why you have to do school. But isn't it true that we become quickly, we see one thing and then we turn to the next. Especially in our entertainment age where our attention spans are so short. But when we talk about serving God, sadly, we often, or sometimes, hopefully not often, find ourselves in the same situation. We go to, there's a special meeting, there's a men's meeting or a ladies' meeting, and we hear the preaching of God's Word and, or a certain sermon um, on one of the Thursdays or Sundays, God speaks to your heart and He challenges you in a certain area. And you say, I need to change this. This in my life is not in accordance with the Word of God. And so we see that and we get excited about something, how God spoke to us. And we attempt to move forward and do it. And we're excited about doing the things God has given us to do. But we look back two months later and we've stopped doing it. We've lost the progress we move forward. The easiest thing in the world is to allow our love for God to slip. To allow our dedication for where we're trying to go for serving God just to begin to slip back a little bit. Why? Why is that the easiest thing in the world to allow? Because it's a natural tendency. It's what our heart wants to do. Our heart does not want to be completely dedicated to God. Why? Because our heart has its own desires. Our heart has its own way that it wants to go. And yet, that's why the Bible constantly is challenging us. Focus your love and your heart on God. 
put your heart completely on God. And sometimes God even has to use chastening because God is faithful to bring our hearts back to where, wait a second, I've allowed my love for God to slip a little bit. I am not where I should be. The excitement that I had for the things of God have begun to wane a little bit. The church services aren't as exciting to me as they used to be. The singing of the hymns don't stir my heart the way they used to. Because this is the easiest thing in the world to allow our hearts to begin to step back just a little bit. And sadly, there's many Christians across this nation, across the world, whose lives would resemble those half-put-together models. They took some steps forward for God, but they never completed it. Their lives never moved forward from that point. And that's Israel has moved forward for God up to this point. There is that um, they've conquered the land. The Bible says for a long time now, God has given them rest in the land. That means they have, they've won the major battles. Now the land has been divided. And Joshua is old now, and he's bringing the people together, and he's saying it's a time for teaching, it's a time for admonition. Get everybody together. There's some lessons before I go the way of all the earth. That means he's going to die. He's old. He's not going to be there anymore. He's not going to be there to teach them. He's not going to be there to instruct them, to guide them. And so Joshua was saying, I need to get, we need to get some things straight. We need to have some time of teaching. God wants you to know some things so that you do not experience the chastening that God, God could bring in your life. First, as he gets everybody together, He says in verse number 3, first he tells them, I'm old. Time is passing. I'm not going to be here with you long in verse number 2. And then in verse number 3 he says, And ye have seen all that the Lord your God hath done unto all these nations because of you. For the Lord your God is he that fought for you. He brings to the remembrance, he reminds them of the walls of Jericho. How the walls of Jericho fell down. And how God... Why did the walls of Jericho fall down? Because God had fought for Israel. It wasn't because of Israel's power. Israel had... We've been over this again and again. But why? Because how easy... Because Joshua knew that Israel tended to forget that it was God who had won the victories. And they would begin to take that for themselves and say, Look at what we have done. And Joshua was reminding, reminding them, Remember everything God has done for you. All the battles that you have won, every battle that you have, um, that the Lord fought for Israel, you have won. They'd only lost one battle, Ai. And that was because there was sin in the camp that they hadn't dealt with. And as soon as they dealt with that, God had given them victory after victory after victory. And then they had divided the land. And we've been over that, how each tribe finally received the inheritance, what God had given them. What God had given each tribe, that He had fulfilled the promises that He had made to Abraham and to, and to Isaac and to Jacob. How He had given the tribes each of their land, and they would go into that land. And even though the main battles had been fought, the main battles had been won, 
God was telling, um, God had allowed it that there were still cities in each of these regions of Israel, each of the tribes, that the individual tribes would have to go and fight. Individual battles that they'd have to go and win if they were going to enjoy the blessings God had given them. And Joshua is reminding them, look at what God has done for you in the past. He says, for the Lord fought for you. And then in verse number four, he says, behold, I have divided unto you by lot these nations that remain. Okay. He's telling them there's still battles to be fought. And I've divided to you which tribe is going to go and fight which battle. And he says in verse number five, and the Lord your God, he shall expel them from before you and drive them from out of your sight. And ye shall possess their land as the Lord your God hath promised unto you. God, Joshua is reminding these people, God has worked mightily in the past. And as you go forward, in the, even in the individual battles that you must fight to enjoy the blessings God has for you. God is still capable of giving the same victory in even your smaller battles. God gave victory in the major battles. God can give victory in the smaller battles. It is reminding them of that. They needed to be reminded because there were still battles to be fought. There was still fighting that was going to happen. And they needed to remember, it's God that gives the victory. It's not through my strength. It's, through, it's when God fights for me that I experience the victory. God's power would be just as present then than it had been at the walls of Jericho. They had experienced victory up to this point. They knew God could do this. So why was Joshua bringing everybody here together? What was the purpose of this time of teaching? This sermon, we might say. Well, he begins in verse number 6. He says, Be ye therefore very courageous... To keep and to do all that is written in the book of the law of Moses, that ye turn not aside therefrom to the right hand nor to the left. If we go back to the book of, to the first chapter in Joshua, God had come to Joshua. Remember that? All the way back there. And God had come to Joshua and said, you need to be courageous and just do what I've commanded you to do. And you, they weren't even in Canaan yet. They hadn't, they hadn't even crossed the Jordan River yet. And God was coming to Joshua and telling him, you need to be courageous. Just obey what I've commanded you to do. Be very courageous and you will experience the blessings of God. Here Joshua as an old man, having seen all that God had done, is telling the people, just be courageous. God keeps His promises. They say, God who led me across the Jordan and through the walls of Jericho, He's the same God today. All you need to be is just be very courageous. But here's the thing. Don't just have courage. This is what you need the courage to do. To keep and to do all that is written in the book of the law of Moses. That ye turn not aside therefrom to the right hand nor to the left. That ye come not among these nations, these that remain among you. Neither make mention of the name of their gods, nor cause to swear by them, neither serve them, nor bow yourselves unto them. But cleave unto the Lord your God, as ye have done unto this day. For the Lord hath driven out from before you great nations and strong, 
But as for you, no man hath been able to stand before you unto this day. One man of you shall chase a thousand for the Lord your God. He it is that fighteth for you, as he hath promised. That's a theme all through this. It's God who fights. It's God because God keeps his promises. And then he says in verse number 11, Take good heed therefore unto yourselves, that ye love the Lord your God. If Israel was going to continue to experience victory even after Joshua was gone, if they were going to be able to continue to enjoy the blessings that God had given them, they needed to courageously obey the Word of God. It's right there. They needed to keep and to do all of God's Word. They they didn't need to turn to the right hand nor to the left. They just needed to press straight forward and keep doing what God had commanded them to do. They needed... To watch, lest the other nations that were among them begin to pull their hearts away. Up to this point, now they were supposed to drive out these nations. Remember, God has said, I will enable you to drive them out as you serve me. But up to this point, the temptation was still there. These nations were still in the land and they needed to be driven out. And they weren't even to mention the idols. They weren't to to have any part of what was going on. They were to focus solely. In fact, they were to refrain. We might say they were to put away. And they were to cleave to God. A little bit from this morning's message. They needed to cleave to God. Why? Because God had given them everything they had. God had given them the land. God had given them the victory. God had brought them out of Egypt, out of slavery. God had fought for them. Every battle they had won had been because of God. In fact, the summation of it is, verse number 11, they needed to take good heed. Keep a good watch. With the heed, it has the idea of watching, of being on guard. They needed to be very diligent. They needed to have a century on duty. It says, take very good heed therefore unto yourselves. The greatest danger Israel was going to face was not the enemies that are around them. The greatest danger Israel was going to face was Israel. Is not that true today that the greatest danger we face, the greatest enemy we face each and every day is ourselves. How our own heart wants to go away. Our own heart wants to seek the things that are not God's. And Joshua is bringing them together for this purpose and is telling them, you need to take very diligent heed. You need to guard yourself like a sentry. You need like a person on guard duty. You need to watch yourself. You need to keep yourself in check. To do what? To love God. To love God. They needed to guard their love for God if they were going to enjoy the blessings of God. That's why Joshua was pulling them together. That's why Joshua was having this time of teaching and telling them, listen, If you are going to continue to enjoy the blessings that God has given you, if you are going to continue to enjoy this good land God has been so good and given you, He has fought every battle for you. He has given all this to you. He doesn't want you to lose it. But He says, but Joshua gives them a strict warning at the end of this chapter. What happened if they begin to relax? Relax. 
just a little bit. If they begin to let their love for God wane, to go back so they didn't love God. They love, begin to love the land God had given them more. They begin to love the, the fruit and, the, um, and the, the wealth that the land would bring them. If that happened, just as God had been so faithful to bless them, God would be just as faithful to judge them and to chasten them. What would happen? God would no more drive the nations out. They would be snares. They would be traps. They would be like nets spread over the way to catch them. Or the idea of the trap is the idea of bait. Something like a lure to pull them away from God. If they begin to go back from what God's Word had said, and they begin to say, you know what? We can do this, and it's, I know what God's Word says, but I can, I can live my own life. I can make some of my own decisions. I don't have to obey everything God says. Verse number 13 says, Know for a certainty that the Lord your God will no more drive out any of these nations from before you. Just as God had been so faithful in blessing them, just as God had fulfilled every promise and bringing them into the land, God had also warned them, if you begin to seek something else than me, if you begin to turn back and seek your own way and say, this looks so much, this looks like I really need this to serve God. God says, know for a certainty that just as I've been faithful to bless you, I will be faithful to judge you. I'll be faithful to bring my judgment upon you. Because God's goal in that was to bring their hearts back to Him. God wanted Israel to remember who God was. God wants Israel to love Him and to serve Him. But the easiest thing in the world for Israel to do was to allow their hearts to begin to slip away a little bit from God. To begin to seek the things that were around them. To begin to allow the goodness of the land to become their pleasure. To allow what every, everything God had given them to become their joy. Rather than God Himself. What did Israel need to do? They needed to guard. If they were going to enjoy the blessings of God, it's just this. It's, it's nothing complicated. It's nothing Astounding, but it's true. They needed to guard their hearts and guard their love for God because their love had the tendency to slip away. You know, the church at Ephesus in the book of Revelation was warned to return to their first love. Else, that God would come and remove their candlestick. Okay, what does that mean by removing their candlestick? The fact that they had the candlestick meant that they were Christ's church. That they were God's church. And it was so adamant that they needed to make sure that they were returning to their love and serving God in their first love. That God warned them if they did not, they would cease to be Christ's church. They would become just a show. 
So how do we love God? How do we guard our hearts? Well, the Bible is very clear that when we love God, we keep His commandments. That's what, that's what Joshua was commanding the people here. It's like, courageously. Be very courageous. Just keep it. Just do it. Do everything God has commanded. It's not complicated. You know you've been told again and again what to do. You know the Word of God. The Word of God is written on the, on the monument there at Mount Gerizim and Mount Ebal. The Word of God is there. You're to come before the tabernacle three times a year and hear the Word of God read to you. You just need to obey it. And you need to love God. Just love God. And guard your love for God. Watch yourself. Because your love for God is going to begin to slip away. How many people used to come to church, but no longer come to church anymore because a job got in the way? Or because some people, it's a relationship gets in the way, and they begin to, I don't care what the Bible says about this, I'm going to go this way. Some people... It's just they get tired of serving God. They say, I want to do things my own way. The number one killer of love is pride. Where we begin to think, I deserve this. I deserve that. Well, I know everything God has given me, but you know what? I really deserve this. And we begin to seek that. We must diligently guard our love for God. Israel, if Israel was going to continue to enjoy the blessings God had given them, that's why Joshua was calling them together. That's why Joshua had this moment. He's like, if you are going to enjoy this land, be sure if you do not guard your love for God. If that is not your focus, that you keep your heart in love with God, that you keep God your focus. If you begin to turn to the right hand, you begin to turn to the left, what is going to happen is you're going to lose the blessings God has given you. He warned them that they are going to be quickly destroyed from the good land God had given them. Eventually that would happen to Israel. This morning in Sunday school, we were in the book of Judges going through that. And how over and over again, other nations would come into the land and begin to oppress Israel. Why? Because they were serving other gods. Their love for God, they had let it go cold. They had stopped guarding it and they began to seek other gods and say, let me see what I can get from this and let me see what I can get from that. And they began to seek something else than God. And just like God promised, He brought judgment on them and chastened them until... They said, God, we we don't need these other gods. All we need is you. And they began once again to seek God. And God would send a deliverer. And He would um, come and He would defeat the enemies of Israel. And they would once again have the peace and the prosperity. But over time, they would allow their hearts. They wouldn't watch it. They wouldn't guard it with intensity. They wouldn't stay focused on who God was and serve Him. And they would slip back again. How many Christians go through the same cycle? They're on fire for God one moment, and then all of a sudden, they're barely making it to church. And then God God begins to work in their life and chasten them and bring trials into their life. And they turn, wait a second, I need God. And they they get back on fire for God. And they begin loving God and seeking God. 
Then they turned back. And Joshua is warning them, this could happen to you. Even though God has given you such great victories, and if you continue to serve and love God, God will give you even greater victories. But if you do not guard your love for God, you will experience the judgment of God. You will lose the blessings that God has for you. So how's your love for God tonight? Are you guarding that? Are you loving God? Are you keeping His commandments? Or has church just become something that you do? Because you would be embarrassed that you didn't show up to church or you would be, you're not sure necessarily why. You just begin to lose that heart that you once had for God. How's your love for God tonight? We must diligently guard. Our heart has that natural tendency. It wants to go. It wants to run. The song says, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. That's our heart. But Israel, if they were going to enjoy the blessings God had, you and I today, if we are going to serve God the way He wants us to serve Him, we must make sure our love for God is right. Because when we love God, it's going to make everything else fall into place. In, in counseling class with Brother Jet, he said this over and over and over again. You're going to, as a pastor, you're going to deal with people who have problems of life who are struggling with addictions, who are struggling with just living life. And if you can teach them how to love God, that will solve their problems. If they love God, that addiction suddenly won't be such a pull on them. Why? Because they find everything they need in God. Everything we need for the Christian life is in God. And when you love God, you will find everything you need in Him. So guard your love for God. Don't let it go. Don't let it wane. And you will be able to enjoy the blessings God has for you. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the challenges that it brings. I just pray as we go through this week, as we go through our lives, that we would not treat you just as another item on our list that we would like to do sometime. But Lord, that we would make you the focus of everything of who we are. That we would love you with all our heart and all our soul and all our mind. And love you and serve you. And guard that. Seek you, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. And before we finish that prayer, if you need to take a moment, come forward or just pray there at your seat. We'll just take a couple minutes and do that.